Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Suvi Church. Can I invite you to stand as we enter into a time of, of corporate worship? And to lead us into this time, I would like us to read from Psalm 34. It should be on the screen behind me. There we go. Um, Psalm 34, it says this, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. Can I invite all of us to exalt His name together as we lift up His praise, as we lift up His name. Let us sing to joy for the, with the Lord. it continues like this I sought the Lord and he answered me he delivered me from all my fears those who look to him are radiant their faces are never covered with shame 
Waking or sleeping, thy presence, my The essence of the song that we just sang is really singing about letting God be our vision, looking to God, looking to Christ. And last weekend, we celebrated Subi Church's 125th anniversary. And one of the things that we talked about are the four pillars of the DNA of Subi Church. And one of them is being gospel-centered. And one way we display our gospel-centeredness is we celebrate the Lord's Supper as a church weekly. And so that's what we're going to do this evening right now. And one of the things that we recognize Jesus for us is that He is our priest before God. We have a great high priest in heaven who bled and died to atone for our sins. The book of Hebrews, great book, chapter 2 verse 16 and 17 says this. We read, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. That's a remarkable thought, because there are fallen angels in our world, but God did not send Jesus to save fallen angels. There's no salvation for them. But yet, for sinful human beings, we have been given the greatest gift of all, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He came to make atonement for our sins. And that's why in other parts of the New Testament, like in First Peter, where we can read even angels, they long to look into these things. And as we go through the storyline of the scriptures, we recognize making atonement for sins, it is a heavy thing indeed. In Leviticus chapter 16, the day of atonement, you know, we receive great details about how, what this high priest is supposed to be doing to make atonement for the sins of the people. He, got, he can't go into the most holy place as he pleases. He needs to first 
bring a young bull for sin offering, then a ram for burnt offering, then he has to wear a particular kind of garment, he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, then he needs to sprinkle blood on different parts, different areas of the temple, endless instructions about how to make atonement for the sins of the people of God. But now through Jesus Christ, He came and His sacrifice did not involve animals. He did not sacrifice animals. Instead, He Himself, He went to the most holy place in the presence of God by His own blood. He sacrificed Himself to obtain salvation for us to atone for our sins. And because of this sacrifice, because of what this great high priest has done for us, we approach God with confidence with confidence not because of what we have done but because of what our priest has done we receive mercy we find grace in him Jesus our high priest broken that barrier through the sacrifice of his own life between us and God and that's at the heart of the gospel and that's what we celebrate every single week when we come and celebrate the Lord's Supper We celebrate the fact that we can stand before God righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Now there's no condemnation for those in Christ. The bread that we take in communion, we understand that that is the body of Christ given to us. The wine and the cup that we drink, this is the blood of the new covenant in Jesus. And so this evening as we come to take communion, five ways, five things that we can look to and look at number one we look inward we look into our hearts we confess any sins that we may have as we come to the Lord's Supper recognizing that he is he forgives us for our sins when we confess our sins number two we look up to God because God invites us to his table of communion acknowledging that he has done great things for us in and through Christ we look back We look back to Christ's work on the cross. We look back to His sacrifice to make atonement for our sins. And then we also look around, because we don't do this by ourselves. We look around to the people of God. We're doing it with God's family, with God's people, when we do it every single week. And then finally, we look ahead. We look ahead to the day where Jesus will come again, where He will make all things new, when all our suffering, all our sin and shame will be put to an end. And so we look inward, we look upward, we look back to Jesus, we look around us to our brothers and sisters in Christ, and we look forward in hope. If you're here this evening, you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated, because this is for those who acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But if you are someone who loves Jesus, who acknowledges that He is our Lord and Savior, Look inward, look upward, look back to Christ. Look around you to your brothers and sisters in Christ and look forward in great hope of the coming of Christ once again. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we confess our sins. Sins that we result in only your death, only your judgment upon us but yet in Christ in Christ you you have saved us and now we thank you that we are called into your family that we can look up to you approach you with great confidence look around us to our brothers and sisters in Christ and that no matter what happens to us in our world we can look ahead with great hope because he is our Lord and our Savior in Jesus name Let me invite the first few rows to stand and make your way forward to receive the communion elements. Please hold the bread, hold the cup, and we'll partake of them together.
This is the body of Christ given to us. Let's take together. And this is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the cross, for the gospel. We thank you for his death and resurrection and now we can come before you, boldly approach you because we have been saved. We praise you for that. In Jesus' name. I invite you to stand as we sing our next song.
victory, church. Oh, Father, we thank you that you, we have the victory. We thank you, Lord, that we can praise your name, and in your name we have hope. I pray, oh God, that you will continue to stir within us, stir within us the desire to know you, to love you, and to be found in you, oh Lord. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before you take your seats, why don't you turn to someone next to you and welcome them to Subi Church. Hi there. It's scripture Subi time. This month, we, as a part of the church, that we do a monthly um, memory verse, and the verse is Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. Are you ready? You have to fill in the blanks. Okay, let's start. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their beings. Well done. Children, you may now go to your classes upstairs. Hi, my name is Sean Come, I'm one of the elders. Sorry, you said very echoey today. I have a loud voice anyway. Um, welcome to the church, and if you have not been here before or you're new here, please do not exit the church once it's finished. Come and speak to one of us. You see most of us will have a lanyard, and we're more than welcome to talk to you a bit and show you a bit about what Subi Church is all about. We do have a connect card by your seat, or you have a QR code in front of your seat. You can actually scan them, or you can actually write on one of these physical pieces of paper. What you have to do is to write your details down so that we can actually be in contact with you. If you have any praise points, if you have anything that you want to let us know, or any prayer that you want to let the church know to pray for you, please write them down. And this is also a way to communicate with us. If you've got classes, as I'm going to announce some other programs, please write them down in there too so that you are coming. Let us know so we can actually put your name down and register you. It's offering time. So as you know that we haven't done physical offering for a long time. I've seen a lot of people putting their offering at the back left-hand corner as you exit, there's a box there say offering, you can do that as you're going out. Or you can register yourself using one of these sheets here to teach you how to register yourself as a, a weekly or monthly payment. You can actually do that direct debit, so it makes it much easier. Let us pray for the offering. Father Lord, we thank you indeed for the gift that you have given us, your son. Our salvation was given to us by grace. And Lord, we thank you indeed. Lord, as we continue to worship you and praise you and to be an obedient Christian, obedient to your word, Lord, we want to give this back to you as a little offering for your kingdom's work. So Lord, use it for the extension of your kingdom's work. And Lord, that we ask that we will be blessed in this community too. Lord, we thank you indeed and we pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple of upcoming events. Subi equipped for families. So family with primary school children, I think take note of this. It's going to be on Sunday, 15 October. The time will be between 12.15 to 2 p.m. We'll be upstairs in activity room two. Subi equipped will be running a workshop for families on how to talk about sex and gender to your children, led by Pastor Chin. It is aimed at family with primary school age children. We will focus on the simple truth of the scripture and learn how we can articulate and talk to our children about these things. A light lunch will be provided, so you need to register on your Connect card. No childcare is provided, so please RSVP. Cafe Melody is coming up on Saturday 30th of September, 2.30 to 4.30. The venue is at the third place. It's a funny name, but it's the third place, which is the South Wales building at the back of the car park area. Cafe Melody is a monthly music outreach ministry to the local Subi community. Please come along for an uplifting time of music and we sing upon uh, unto the Lord. Invite your, friend, invite your friends and come along and make some new friends too. It's now time to come before the Lord for prayer as we participate and prepare our heart to hear the Lord's word. Please join me as I let you in prayer here. 
Heavenly Father, our almighty creator God, author of history, the Alpha and Omega, it is through your grace and mercy that we all have been saved and brought into relationship with you. Thank you for loving us and for Christ Jesus through whom we have life everlasting and the hope and the future secure firmly in you. Father God, we are the one who builds up your church builds up your church, which is the bride of Christ against whom the gates of hell will not prevail. Lord, we thank you for the 125th anniversary celebration last weekend. You have faithfully blessed to be church right from the very beginning and throughout many years of change, faithfully growing dis disciples who love and worship you. You have sustained and built up our church to the vibrant community of Christ following on the corner of Subi, Subiaco that we are today. We thank you for the celebratory dinner, the prayer walk, the opportunity to pray over the generation and the special worship services that we had. We pray that your name will lift it high and your goodness and faithfulness proclaimed. Thank you for everyone who selflessly came together to serve, to make the celebration possible. Please continue use us, your church, to shine your light and pre preach your gospel mightily to the Subiaco community and beyond. Lord, we give all the glory to you. Lord, we confess that we have not always done what is right in your eyes and that we have not worshipped or loved you as we ought to. Thank you for your forgiveness and grace pour out to each of us. Continue to work in us individually through your spirit that we would grow in our love and trust of you. We pray that we would be willing to, as we work through in each of us, molding our hearts to center on you and helping us to live life pleasing to you. Please be with Pastor David as he preaches this today. Prepare our hearts and minds as we hear from your word. May our hearts be soft, our ears eager to listen, our hands ready to glorify and serve you. This thing we pray in Christ's most precious name. Amen. This week's Bible reading is taken from Exodus chapter 20 verses 1 to 21. Uh, if you are able, I will invite you to stand with me as we read from God's word. Verse 1, And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above, or on the earth, beneath, or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you, so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. 
The people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Right, you may take a seat. G'day church, how are you? And for those of you watching online, it's so good that you could join us. My name's David, one of the pastors here at the church. And uh, if you're new or just visiting, a special warm welcome to you. We hope that your time with us is a blessed one. Uh, There was a journalist in New York who was uh, an agnostic Jew. And he decided that it would be an interesting experiment if for a whole year he would keep every law in the Bible, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, After his experiment, of course, he wrote a book, The Year of Living Biblically, One Man's Humble Quest to Follow the Bible as Literally as Possible, A.J. Jacobs. Uh, There was a little documentary made about him. I just want to show you a little excerpt from that video. I wanted to live by every piece of advice, every rule in the Bible without picking and choosing because I wanted to see what parts of the Bible are relevant and what parts are are not. I was in Central Park. I was wearing my robe and sandals. A guy came up to me and said, why are you dressed like that? I explained, I'm trying to follow all the rules of the Bible from the Ten Commandments to stone adulterers. He said, I'm an adulterer. Are you going to stone me? I said, that'd be great. And I took out a handful of pebbles that I had been carrying around for this purpose. He grabbed one of the pebbles out of my hand and threw them at my face. So I thought, an eye for an eye, also in the Hebrew scriptures, I could throw one back at him. So that's how I checked that off the list. Even with his tongue-in-cheek approach, AJ learned a great deal from his year of living biblically. So you notice that's his real beard uh, because it says in Leviticus... Next slide, please. Because it says in Leviticus, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard, and he's got to keep every law, he didn't shave for a year. So that's before and after. So he noticed by the end of the year, he started getting stopped at airport security, right? Couldn't go anywhere. Uh, Strangers would come up to him and pat his beard like it was a little Labrador puppy or like it was a, a woman's pregnant tummy. Uh, And when he was walking down the street, people would shout, Yo, Gandalf! Now, is this guy onto something? Is this guy onto something? Are the laws of the Old Testament still binding on us who live in the 21st century? I mean, the Ten Commandments sound like laws that we should keep. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Uh, So do we leave behind the Jewish ceremonial laws, but still keep the Ten Commandments. Is that what we're to do? But keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. And I don't keep the Jewish Sabbath from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Does anyone here do that? So is it just the big nine that we're to keep? And what about tithing, giving 10% of your income to God? That is very Uh, clearly stipulated in the Old Testament. And lots of churches tell their congregations that they need to tithe today. But is that to be obeyed by Christians? A few weeks ago, one of our congregation members, David Saggers, he comes to our 9 o'clock service, he came up to me and he said, would you talk about the place of the law in the Christian life? And I thought, yes, that's an important topic to address Uh, So here it is, and I hope that it will be a a help to you today. Uh, I did a lot of research for this. A big shout-out to this book, Paul and the Law by Brian Rosner. He's the principal of Ridley College in Melbourne. And uh, we're going to explore uh, three points this evening. With the coming of Christ, there has been, one, a repudiation of the law as law. There has been a retainment of the law as wisdom, and there has been a replacement of the law with the law of Christ. Let me flesh this out for us. So let's have a look at the first point. With the coming of Christ, there has been a repudiation of the law as law. 
The Christian's relationship with the law, it can be confusing, but it doesn't need to be. Uh, the problem usually centers on the understanding of the word law, because the meaning of law is usually understood to, to mean the rules and regulations that we find in the Old Testament, but it actually has many meanings. And if you remember, we looked through Romans, the word law has many different meanings. And in fact, in the New Testament, law most commonly refers to not rules and regulations, but the books of the law, right? The books of the law, the Torah, the first five books in the Bible. Which, and the word Torah means instruction, teaching, guidance. The books of the law contain more than just rules and regulations. They contain the, the creation accounts, the narratives of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses. They contain the prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. Also, you may have picked this up, that the whole of the Old Testament can be called the law. Remember in John chapter 15, Jesus says, well, but this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Now that quote is from, not from the book of the law, it's from the Psalms. But Jesus is saying it's coming from the law because he's saying you can refer to the whole Old Testament as the law. Now that's really important to help us understand this topic because when we read in Matthew chapter 5, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. See, people read this and they say, well, see, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He says so. He didn't get rid of the Old Testament rules and regulations. We still got to keep them. But when Jesus says the law and the prophets there, he's referring to the Old Testament. The law and the prophets are the two main parts of the Old Testament. The law, the first five books, the prophet refers to the rest of the Old Testament. So Jesus is saying, I've not come to abolish the Old Testament. right? I've not come to distance myself from what's come before. I've come to fulfill it. The Old Testament points to me and I'm... I will do all that it promises I will do. Contrast this with what the Apostle Paul says. Very clearly he says, Christ has abolished the law. But he's talking about the commandments and ordinances, the rules and regulations. Remember in Romans chapter 7, we read, But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the letter. Uh, and I think there's one more from Galatians. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We are no longer under the Jewish law. The law said, keep this rule, keep that rule. If you keep these rules, you'll live. If you don't keep them, condemnation and death. But the law was part of the old spiritual realm. The one that we were born into, remember, it's a familiar picture from Romans. We were born into that realm. That's a realm of death and sin, and it's ruled by law. But if you're a Christian, you've been transferred out of that realm. We are now in the realm of Christ, in the realm of the Spirit. We are not under the law. We're not under the law's demands. We're not under the Lord's requirements. We're set free from the law's condemnation when we fail to keep it. Christ obeyed the law perfectly, and as a result, he has transferred his righteousness to us. There is no condemnation. Uh, Martin Luther used to love laying into the law. He's a reformer. He said this, The law of the Decalogue, that's the Ten Commandments, has no right to accuse and terrify the conscience in which Christ reigns through grace, for Christ has made this right obsolete. We are no longer under the law as law. We're no longer bound by its demands or subject to its sanctions. What about this interesting passage here in 1 Timothy? It says, We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for adulterers and perverts, for slave traders and liars and perjurers, 
and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. See what he's saying? The law is not for the righteous. The law as law is not for the righteous. Those of us who've been saved, we live according to the gospel. But the law is still relevant because it's relevant for the unrighteous, for those who are disobedient, for those who are lawless. Because what does the law do? It shows up their sinfulness. It convicts them of guilt. And it hopefully points them to Christ. The law for unbelievers is a it's a rain. It's a rain that will restrain their wrongdoing, right? Without the law, there is anarchy. So the law is not for the righteous, it is for the unrighteous to convict them of their guilt, to point them to Christ. So the law as law is not for us as believers. But second point. With the coming of Christ, there has been a retainment of the law as wisdom. What do I mean by that? Well, one of, the, one of the original functions of the law was to make Israel wise. Have a look with me in Deuteronomy chapter 4. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations, who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Christians are not under the law as law, but that doesn't mean the law is irrelevant for us because the law helps us to make wise moral decisions. Have a look with me in Leviticus 27. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So the practice of a tithe, a tithe literally means 10%. The practice of giving a tithe, of giving 10% of your income to God, that's legislated in the, in the law of Moses for the nation of Israel. It was a form of tax for Israel. And, and so they went to, uh, it went to look after the poor, to look after orphans, to look after widows, and also to look after the priests who were set apart to work for God and therefore couldn't earn their own living. Now, it's taught in many churches that giving 10% of your salary to God, giving a tithe, must be obeyed today. Well, you might be happy to know that tithing is nowhere endorsed in the New Testament. Paying your taxes is, so pay your taxes, but tithing is not. In the New Testament, the instructions for giving are turned on their head. Have a look in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Paul talks against any form of compulsion when it comes to giving. His instructions do not come from the law, but they come from grace. Look at what Jesus has given to you, his very life. In return, give. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16 says, On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So what he's saying is giving should be proportional, which is a wise principle that comes from the law of tithing. Those who earn more money are expected to give more than those who earn less money. So Paul is instructed by the tithe, but not as law. He doesn't make it a law, but he's instructed by the wisdom of that principle. He doesn't enforce it as law. Now, the objection is sometimes made, well, if, if tithing is not commanded in church, then giving goes down. On one level, the answer is, so be it. The solution for people to give is not a return to the law, but to the grace of Christ. Look at what Christ has given you. Give in return. Let's have a look at another example. So the Jewish law forbids any work on the Sabbath. Right? That's sunset Friday to sunset Saturday. Do no work. Israelites were to adhere to that law strictly. 
Now, some Christian groups, like the Seventh-day Adventists, they say, yep, you've still got to keep the Sabbath today. And so, uh, boss says, come in Saturday. They say, can't come in Saturday, Sabbath, right? And they don't allow secular forms of recreation on the Sabbath. You can't play competitive sport. You can't uh, watch non-religious programs on TV. But Paul says in Colossians 2, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The, the Sabbath was a shadow that pointed to the reality, which is rest in Christ. So now that Christ has come, the Sabbath law has been repudiated as law. We're not to keep a Sabbath, but it's been retained as wisdom. It's still a wise thing to do. So the creation account, which is in the books of the law, you know, it tells us that God created the world in six days. He rested on the seventh day. The goal of his working was to rest. And so we can see from creation that rest is a wise thing to do. If it was good enough for God, it's good enough for us. But the New Testament doesn't command when we should rest or what we should do in order to rest. Let's look at another example. 1 Corinthians 9 says, For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. So in order to separate grain from the husks, uh, farmers in biblical times, they would get an oxen, an ox, uh, and they would uh, throw the husks on a flat area of ground and tie a large flat stone to the ox, and then the ox would drag that stone over the husk, and that would separate the husk from the wheat, from the grain. Now, if the ox is going to pull that stone around all day, it ought to be able to take a few bites of food when it wants to, right? For sustenance. That's only fair. Hard work deserves payment. If you muzzle the ox, it won't be able to eat when it needs to. But Paul goes on to say, is it about oxen that God is concerned? Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? See, in what sense is it for us? I don't own an oxen. Anyone here own an oxen? No, so what sense is it for us? Well, as wisdom. If God requires that an ox serving a man does not miss out on payment, then how much more a man serving God? He goes on and says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. If God's word demands that an ox be nourished from the fields that they are laboring in, how much more do those involved in gospel work have the divine right to be nourished by the fields that they are working in? So the law, this law from the Old Testament, has been retained as wisdom. I'll give you one more example. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. See, Paul quotes the fifth commandment here, uh, but he doesn't appeal to it as law, but as advice concerning how to walk in wisdom. And he started that argument a few verses before. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. And then uses that commandment as wisdom to speak into children's lives, to honor their parents. So the psalmist prayed in Psalm 119, Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Perhaps the corresponding prayer today is, Give us understanding that we might learn wisdom from your law. Finally, with the coming of Christ, there has been a replacement of the law with the law of Christ. Uh, have a look with me in, back in Matthew chapter 5. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear 
from the law, the books of the law, until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches them to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So when Jesus says these commands, he's not referring to the commands of the Old Testament. He's not saying anyone who breaks the Old Testament commands will be the least in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the commands that he is giving right here in this sermon on the mount. He's saying anyone who breaks, breaks the least of these my commandments is least in the kingdom of heaven. So what, what, see what Jesus is doing to the law here? He supersedes the law and he's replacing the law. He goes on to say... You've heard it, it was said to the people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. So Jesus ramps up the command, do not murder, to do not even hate. The command, do not murder, doesn't just mean don't end someone's life. The actual killing is only the final full expression of the anger and the hatred and the despising of another person. If the only reason that you haven't killed the person that you hate is because of lack of opportunity or lack of courage or lack of means, then you're just as guilty of killing as if you had actually done it. So do not murder is meant to inspire us to so value human life that we would not want to do anything that hurts anybody, that injures them, that embarrasses them, that humiliates them, that puts them down. You see, Jesus supersedes the law and he replaces the law with a higher law. But what about this verse? Circumcision does not matter and uncircumcision does not matter, but keeping God's commandments does. Now, the first half is saying that the, the Old Testament no longer applies. We don't need, we're not under the law of the circumcision. But the second half seems to contradict that and says, well, hang on, you've got to keep, you still got to keep God's commandments. So how do we resolve a verse like this? Well, to answer this question, some people divide the law in the Old Testament into three parts. They say, well, there's the moral law, there's the civil law, there's a the ceremonial law. They say, Christians, I've got to keep the moral law, the Ten Commandments, but the rest of the law we can do away with. So they say, circumcision, right? Circumcision, that is ceremonial law, we can do away with that, but the moral laws we've still got to keep. But the law can't be easily divided into those three categories because there's moral law, which is embedded in civil law, ceremonial law. So how do we deal with that? Well, what's the other place in 1 Corinthians where the word command is used? Paul says in chapter 14, what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. The commands Paul urges his hearers to obey here are God's commands given through him as the apostle of God. His commands are God's commands. So Paul is saying, Old Testament Jewish laws, they're not for you as a Christian. But obeying God's commandments given through me as an apostle, they are essential for you to keep. So Paul's instructions have the full weight of the commandments of God. Carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Moses has been replaced with the law of Christ. But notice here, we're not called on to keep the law. We're called on to what? Fulfill the law. In the Old Testament, they were told, keep this law, keep this law, keep this law. But we're called to fulfill the law. And this is a completely new way of relating to the law. You see, when you love your neighbour as yourself, you fulfil the purpose of the law. You do everything that the law requires. 
So when you love your neighbor, you fulfill the whole demand of the law. Because when you love your neighbor, you're not going to murder them. You're not going to commit adultery with their partner. You're not going to steal their car. You're not going to lie to them. The law of Christ is to carry each other's burdens. To live like Christ who gave up his life for us, who carried our burdens all the way to the cross. That is the law of Christ. The law of Christ is the law of love. We don't keep the law, but we fulfill the law. As we love our neighbor, we fulfill the moral requirements of the law. Paul says, I'm not under the law of Moses anymore, but that doesn't mean I'm free to do whatever I want. No, I'm now under the law of Christ. God saves us by grace, but that doesn't end our obligation to obey him, does it? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. But the law of Christ is totally different to the law of Moses. The law of Moses leads to disappointment. No matter how hard you try, you can't keep it perfectly. The law of Moses condemns, it brings a curse, it eventually kills, but the law of Christ brings life. The law of Moses was written on stone tablets. The law of Christ is written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The law of Moses has been replaced with the law of Christ. It's a law of love. You fulfill the law by loving, by bearing one another's burdens. How are you going with that? How are you going fulfilling the law of Christ? How are you going carrying your neighbor's burdens? Are you going out of your way to love your neighbor? That is the law of Christ and that is what Christ has called us to do. How are you going not hating your brother, not hating your sister, not doing anything that would hurt them, injure them, embarrass them, humiliate them, put them down? That is the law of Christ. It's a higher law. Jesus supersedes the Old Testament law. He replaces that Old Testament law with a higher law. It is the law of Christ. So what is the place of the law in the Christian's life? Well, A.J. Jacobs, how did he go, do you think? He got it wrong. You don't fulfill the law by growing a beard. With the coming of Christ, there has been a repudiation of the law as law. We're no longer under its condemnation. There's been a retainment of the law as wisdom. And there has been a replacement of the law with the law of Christ, which is a higher law. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his obedience his fully obedience when it came to the law. Thank you for his righteousness that has been transferred to us. Thank you that we're no longer under the law's condemnation because of Christ. But Lord, Lord, you've called us to a higher law, to your law. And I pray, Lord, that each of us would fulfill that law, that we would love our neighbour, that we would carry each other's burdens. Father, I pray that your spirit would write those laws on our hearts. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. I pray, Lord, we would be obedient, obedient to the Lord Jesus in response to his grace. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I invite you to stand as we sing our final song?
darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the world from the home of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Praise the Father. Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit. Three in one. God of glory, majesty. Praise forever to the King of to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for our sake Before we leave, I've got a quick announcement. So there should be a picture behind me. Uh, Pastor Chin will be leaving in a few weeks. Um, it's going to be a sad day when he goes. But we are going to uh, organise a book for him. Have we got a slide there? We are organising a book for him and there should be a, uh, uh, an address that you can send any photos in uh, that you have with him or some, uh, uh, some comments, some goodbyes, some some stories that you've had with him. We haven't got it here, uh, but can someone shout it out? 
You haven't got it on that screen either? Okay, well, uh, hold. Next week we'll tell you, okay? But it doesn't matter. You can still write it anyway. Write something and then we're going to send it uh, to you. Uh, you can send it in. And uh, here we go. No, that's not it. Um, that's chin, but it's not the right announcement. But that's okay. So have a think about what you want, might want to say. It's the middle of October is the cutoff. Uh, if you don't want, uh, most people just send it in electronically. If you do want to send it in physically, you can just leave it in the box at the back. But I'm sure Chin would appreciate it, um, taking some thought and thinking about that. Let me finish with a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you like some prayer, you're very welcome to come up the front. We'd love to pray with you.